The opinions, views, and beliefs of the Unknown Packers podcast do not reflect or represent those of the Green Bay Packers organization, nor are we affiliated with the Green Bay Packers. We're just a couple of fans talking football. Go Pack Go! so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Pack Go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Yeah. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. Welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for 7 and 2 on tap. I am your co-host, Nebels, and today Bryce is on assignment. So with me, I have none other than Ken Ingles. What is up, Ken? Oh, Nebels, how are you doing? I almost said Bryce just out of habit there. Like, hey, Bryce, how's it right? going? But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, Bryce is uh, taking the night off and two of us sitting here reflecting on an unfortunate 7 and 2 on tap instead of the 8 and 1 as I predicted oh, yeah. last time. But, you know. Last time where we, it's your there, fault. there's a lot that happened um, between us having this conversation tonight and the last time we recorded. I mean, holy smokes, I wasn't with you guys last yeah. time, but geez, Louise has, did, did the circumstances change overnight? Like literally overnight. It was, it, it's nuts. Let's, let's just get right into it. We'll talk about that, the situation. And that is uh, none other than Aaron Rodgers and COVID. Oh boy. Now say what you want. That was, that was a big shock. You know, you never think that your star quarterback is gonna gonna go down um, with an illness like that and be unavailable to play. Uh, most unfortunate, you know, definitely it's something that I think they would have uh, they would have won the game if he had played. But you know, what are you gonna do? What are you right. gonna do? Yeah, for me that was crazy. On Wednesday morning, I was dropping my son off at daycare, and you know, just listening to sports radio on the way into work, like I always do. And they talked about Kurt Benkert being on COVID IR because he was placed uh, uh, a day or two prior, I forget exactly when. And I, I was thinking to myself like, wow, like what happens if Aaron Rodgers gets it? That'd be crazy, huh? Yep. And then I'm like, oh, you know, like Jordan Love would start. That'd be kind of fun. And then I'm like, well, well, Jordan Love gets it too. Then who would they even sign? And then literally just hours later, the news comes across Aaron Rodgers with COVID had to sit out the game as of this point. Here's a chance he can play on Sunday against the Seahawks if uh, if he's asymptomatic, um, feeling fine, has to pass a physical. The testing requirement gets lessened a little bit, is my understanding, because now that he's had yep, COVID, yep. he's got like a 90-day window. I think he still tests. Does he test weekly, or does he not get? Does he not have to test at all until? I believe the he still has to do up. weekly. Just like um, the, I believe okay, he kind of okay. goes back to like vaccinated status in terms of like how he's done like on a day in and day out basis so um it kind of gets to that elevated status if you will that some of his other teammates has you know had you know we heard on pat mcafee on friday kind of the comparison for his experience has been like as uh, the unvaccinated protocol having to wait in the car come in every day at 5 a.m whereas other players they do their you know once weekly go right into the building type of thing so i believe it goes to that that secondary tier but i'm not 100% sure gotcha. but there's a chance he can play on on uh this upcoming game against the Seahawks yeah, we'll see you know he would have no practice no meetings no game planning no nothing but he's also Aaron Rodgers and 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's type of guy where you want him on the field if you can, but you got to wonder what that's going to be. And if he's going to be, you know, hundred percent with everything going on. Yeah. I think that'd be my only concern. I mean, like I said, the the no practice kind of no practice, no problem. He's been in the league long enough and he he knows the system well enough that I'm sure he can, he can go in there and pick up right where he left off. But like you said, my only concern is how is he from a, a physical standpoint? I mean, you know, obviously we know that COVID is is a rep- uh, respiratory illness. Is he going to be able to breathe fine running around the field? Is he going to be full strength? I mean, those are the, those are the things that I I kind of worry about. Um, you know, from seeing him on um, you know the Pat you know Tuesdays there and Pat McAfee show, he didn't seem any worse for wear. But like I said, who knows? Who knows what what kind of physical toll right. this is going to take if, on if him? You just, if, I was just going to say like if you go back to last last season, like AJ Dillon was out five games, four, exactly. four or five games. Chris Barnes was out multiple weeks. There were multiple players who had COVID who just missed extended time. And then there are other guys who are able to bounce back quickly. So it really depends on, you know, your, your own body, your own chemistry, science, you sure. know, all that, all that fun, you know, stuff in this Venn diagram here, knock on wood and hope that, you know, he's able to play. But, you know, unfortunately because of, you know, his status and, and the kind of the choice to, to avoid the vaccination going into the season, 10 days was is the agreed upon by the yep. the players union and the NFL where you know no contact self quarantine and so it, it's a little bit different than the folks who if you think back to the the game against um the Cardinals where there was a chance that you know people were talking about Devontae Adams coming back like 3 days after testing positive that just that was right. off the table unfortunately for Rodgers so right Definitely, definitely. And well, so while we don't know the the physical toll that this has taken on Rodgers, we do now know the financial toll handed out by the uh, NFL. Do you have those numbers? Did you want to go over that, or do you want me to go over it? Yeah, I, I got them here. I got them here. And that was all my right, question right. at the very beginning on Wednesday when this came through. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, what does this mean?" Like, I thought he was vaccinated. Like, every you know, that was kind of the the buzz when the news came out. And I put a question out there, and be like. Can the Packers be fined for this? Can Rodgers be right, fined? Right. Is there a suspension coming? Are there draft picks being taken away? Because that's what we saw last year. Yep. And the final fine, you know, the hammer that's coming down, if you will, is three hundred thousand dollars for the Packers and fourteen thousand six fifty for both Rodgers and Lazard. But that goes back to the Halloween party, right? Yeah, you know, violating those protocols and the three hundred thousand part of that, is my understanding, is because of that Halloween party. Other is kind of allowing and kind of turning a blind eye to you know the unvaccinated players in basically violating the protocol in the press conferences. You, you know, you the the rule is if you're not vaccinated, you have to be wearing a mask at all times in the building regardless of whether you agree with those rules or not. But the Packers, they were allowing it. They were fully aware of what was going on. Andrew Brandt made a comment, you know, at the end of the day, the Packers are probably okay with the risk of a fine if it meant not pissing off Aaron Rodgers, especially after everything that happened this year. And so, you know, it is what it is. Those numbers aren't going to break the bank. I also said, like, the Packers have lots of money. Aaron Rodgers has lots of money. I'm not concerned about fines. I'm concerned about if the team would have been impacted by via draft picks or if Aaron Rodgers would have been impacted via suspension if they wanted to make an sure. example out of him or something. But that does not seem the case. But the league also then put out another memo reminding all teams, hey, everyone who is unvaccinated needs to be wearing a mask at all times, including press conferences. It's kind of being dubbed the Aaron Rodgers rule now. So I think you know going forward, 
you know, everyone was pointing fingers. Oh, what about up in Minnesota or over in Indianapolis? Right, There's right. players who are, they're not vaccinated. We know that. And they're in press conferences and everyone was kind of like pointing fingers at each other. Now I think the NFL is like, okay, yeah, we all were kind of guilty going forward. Let's all do it right. So. Right, right. Definitely. Cause I don't think anybody has been fined for, for the, the presser violations yet. Correct. Right. And I, I think the big issue too is like, yeah, it was happening, but no, none of those like, not, none of the, the the big names, right, who are kind of, you know, made the headlines earlier on the year for you know, not not being vaccinated, right? None of them had tested positive. So it was, you know, it was kind of just, an, right. it was a non-issue almost from sure. a league and, you know, image and whatever. But then all of a sudden with Rogers, and then obviously that got compounded by the fact that, you know, he misled the media by saying he was immunized and knowing what that would mean and without any follow-up and everyone writing reports that he was vaccinated. So then like, that's what I think really threw this into overdrive is that the media is like, wait, what? You let us believe that you're vaccinated. We wrote reports that you're vaccinated. You never went out of your way to correct us. And so then that became like a bigger deal and hence, you know, kind of where we are today. But, you know, it seems at this point, everyone's just kind of being like, yeah, we all kind of are a little bit guilty here. Here's a little bit of slap on the wrist financially and going forward. Um, it can be worse. In fact, that that's also part of the report is that if there are any further violations, the Packers can lose draft picks, bigger fines, suspensions. Yep, yep. So that that bigger arsenal of punishment is potentially there. Well, it'll it's something to keep an eye on, and uh, hopefully everybody has learned their quote unquote lesson in this whole thing, and uh, it's not an issue going forward. Um, unless there's anything else that you have to say about it, we can go ahead and uh, move on to the. The big issue at hand, or the the, the matter at hand, and the uh, the loss to uh, the Kansas City Chiefs this past weekend. Woof! Yeah, I know it, it was a rough one. Um, unfortunately, I think it was a game that they really could have won. Oh, for sure. You know, even with the news that Jordan Love was coming in, you know, me personally, I've been a Jordan Love supporter. I know, I know, we are Team Love supporters here at the Unknown Packers podcast. Excited anytime he's been able to get a chance. Obviously, Week One in that uh, terrible performance, getting some mop-up duty, and then, you know, obviously getting the start. You know, I know we were all kind of excited, rooting to see what this guy can do. And I was I was hoping for a win. I was thinking that it could maybe be done and just did not um, obviously turn out that way. But, man, it, it feels like if we could have had another shot at that game, I feel like they could have come out with a win, all things being even. Just did not seem like there was a really solid game plan and you know, love he, he he didn't he didn't play up to the kind of the expectations that I had. Right, now I didn't right. have crazy expectations of he's going to throw for 350 yards, three four touchdowns, anything like that. But I was expecting to see a little bit more of second half Jordan Love the whole game. And uh, right. unfortunately, first half Jordan Love was a thing. I mean, and I just kind of you know, I was I was also disappointed at first. You know, just it just everything looked like it was a mess that game. Kind of, you know, took some time to really think about it. And really, I mean, the odds were were against uh, love from the beginning. I mean, you go into Arrowhead, one of the, the loudest stadiums in the, you know, in, in the NFL, you know, rabid fan base there. Short notice, basically, that Rodgers isn't, you know, isn't playing. Not a whole lot of time to, you know, prepare with the, with the ones. Going in there, offensive line, you know, that. That was a. I don't want to say their offensive line was a mess, but that was probably one of the worst performances I've seen on the offensive line in in uh, in some time. And whether that's you know a lot of people say that's on on uh, on the scheme, a lot of people say that's on on love. Regardless, it didn't look great. 
I mean, some of the things I saw is, um, I guess the the Packers face an average of seven to ten pressures per game all season, and they face twenty eight against uh, against the Chiefs this week. So, you know, Spagnolo knew that they, he could send the, the house, and it was getting home every time. So, right. you know, Jordan Love was constantly under pressure. You know that didn't do that didn't do him a, uh, any favors. But like you said, you know, completely different. I don't want to say completely different, but you know, different guy. First half, second half, especially on that last drive. I think you know the last drive. Unfortunately, too little, too late. Jordan Love started to kind of really settle in and look like he knew what he was doing, starting to figure stuff out. And again, a little bit, a little bit late. But you know, seeing how he was in that last drive, I think I would be more confident next time he is called upon to play. I said first game. It's just it was just a a rough situation all all around for him, and it's one of those things where I'm not going to judge his his worth, you know, going forward mm-hmm. until I, I I see him in a couple more games. Right. I think the t- the thing too is expectations, right? Yeah, I was hoping right. he'd have a good game, and you know, all things considered, you know, it wasn't a great game, but he was the best quarterback on the field that day. He outplayed yeah. Patrick Mahomes, which is crazy. I, and it's insane. To your point, the pressure. It was constant and it was relentless and Jordan Love couldn't do anything about it. The offensive line couldn't do anything about it. And unfortunately, Matt LaFleur didn't really seem to make too many adjustments until much later in the game to help and try and prevent it. Uh, where were the three-step drops? Where were the right, right. Where were the inside you know, slants? Where were, you know, it seemed like there were so much five, seven-step drops. And even if you did try and get something out quick, it was immediate guy in his lap because they're sending six or yep. seven. I, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the special teams. Oh, oh my woof. God. <laughs> um, anything but special, really. Missed field goal, blocked field goal, muffed punt return with Malik Taylor <laughs> kicking the ball after a non-fair catch. Just like total shitting the bed. <laughs> like, yep, yep. Know, just awful. Um, that should have been a touchdown, really, for the Chiefs. Thankfully, it only turned into a field goal uh, because right, of the right. overturn rule. You can't advance a uh, a muff yep. punt, you know, on on replay review. The special teams cost this team nine points. Oh yeah, you know, with the two botched field goals, and then obviously with with the uh, muff punt resulting in a field goal. And the Chiefs won by six. Yeah, the Chiefs didn't score in the second half. That's the one thing you right. forget. Like right, like. This game was winnable, even with everything really seemingly not going well for the offense and the special teams. This game was winnable, and that's because of the defense. The defense came to play. Chris Barnes came to play. Oren Burks came to play. Rashawn Gary came to play. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Eric Stokes, Eric Stokes didn't come to play. You know, he was supposed to be in the lineup. He got hurt in, in pregame warmups, and so he yep. was unavailable. Kenny Clark went down with a back injury. Yep. Yeah, it, th- this game, th- this defense was really impressive. And say what you want about the Chiefs and you know how bad that they've been so far on defense this year. Their offense is no joke. They've got Patrick Mahomes. Yep. He's got a half a billion dollar contract, if <laughs> you guys want to oh, yeah. remember that. And they, they shut him down. Peter Bukowski tweeted out, the Packers have forced more three and outs tonight as the Chiefs mm-hmm. have had all season. Yep. And that was like halfway through the game. It was insane. Again, the Chiefs didn't even score in the second half. And guess who PFF's highest ranked 
player was on the Packers against the Chiefs. I was just going to give a shout out to this man. I'll let you I'll let you take it. Mr. Kevin King. Oh, yeah. He came back uh, after being haters be damned. Yeah. Like when Kevin King is healthy, he's pretty good at football. Yes, he's yep. got some moments just like everyone really in the secondary. That's not an easy position to play. But yeah, it he subbed out Stokes for for Kevin King basically in the secondary and they're playing with a patchwork secondary at this point and man they 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 really came and and showed out but that's why it's so frustrating talking about this game is that I look at the final score 13 to 7 it's like they had every mm-hmm. opportunity to win and I go back to Jordan Love and the expectations it's like I don't know why people are thinking that now there's no possible way Jordan Love can be the quarterback, and now you got to pay far or far, geez, you got to pay Aaron Rodgers <laughs> any dollar amount he wants to come back. Um, it's just if you look at quarterbacks making their debut, Jordan Love is kind of right in line with some of the greats. You know, like going back just in the past like 20 years, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Stafford, Wilson, Watson, all had comparable. Mm-hmm like starter debuts and Packer fans have like really short memory. Like we remember Aaron Rodgers as the three-time MVP and we take his accuracy for granted. His first appearances were terrible. They were horrible. I remember back when I actually read the print newspaper, (laughs) seeing that, you know, the the newspaper stack after one of Rodgers uh, preseason games being like, this guy sucks. (laughs) More or less was the headline. And like, get this guy out of town, give Favre anything he wants, right? We're here 15 years later. It's the same story. So I'm not going to put too much stock into this one performance for Jordan Love. I think people who are rushing to judgments are really naive in that fact. The Packers have a lot more knowledge of who this kid is than what we were able to see on 60 Minutes of Football of preparation on a short week with a game plan that really wasn't designed for Jordan Love. I mean, I think a lot of those people that are also, you know, writing out, writing off Jordan Love, you know, being the the hardcore uh, Rodgers fans, and obviously there's nothing, you know, nothing wrong with being a hardcore Rodgers fan. But I don't know if they are too young or don't realize that, you know, the the first couple of years with um, that Rodgers was sitting by in Favre, they were working on his mechanics. He had that 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 Tedford um, mm-hmm. arm motion coming out of college at a. He was labeled as a wild card going into the draft, which is one of the reasons why he was he dropped so far because a lot of coaches didn't want to touch that the Tedford arm motion. I mean, they had to work on that. They work on his mechanics, everything. I mean, they had to they had to basically redo him as a quarterback, as um, if you will. So, and like I said it, it took a, you know three full years behind Favre, three full years of of work to get him to where into a into a better spot. Cut Jordan some slack. I mean, obviously he missed his first year. Uh, you know, due to COVID, and then you know this year, yeah, he got some work with the ones in 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 uh, training camp. But for all intents and purposes, it, this is like his rookie season, you know, to, to me. So right, right. I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be okay. I think people need to again give him, cut him a little bit of slack, let this thing, uh, let this thing develop. I'm obviously, you know, next year we don't have a whole lot of time because <laughs> you know, who knows, you know, who knows what happens next well, year. I wish we had a little bit I, more I'll time. I'll one up but... you. You know, you say I think he's going to sure. be okay. Well, I think he's still going to be the starter of the Green Bay Packers next year. Okay. So nothing I saw in this game has taken me off of my track thinking sure. that that's going to happen. Sure. I just you judge a you judge a quarterback by how he looks when the pocket's clean. Yeah. You know, I'm not a scout, but that's something I've picked up over the years. 
And Jordan Love, when he wasn't being annihilated behind the line scrimmage due to terrible offensive line play or not being able to recognize non-complicated blitzes, just people not blocking anybody, it's just insane. He did okay. Not great. He had some really like some, whoa, moments. And he also had some yikes moments. Um, But (laughs) it's those whoa moments that you hope to harness and um, expand upon and reading pressures and making the correct checks that comes in time that comes with practice that comes yep. with experience he's doesn't have 15 years of on-field playtime you know this is the first shot so we'll see how it goes for sure well, i got an idea you want to play a little game i do i do this is my idea i like this uh, <laughs> it is it is all right we are you know listen, this is ken this is your idea um it is called the blame game uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go and we're going to assign a, a certain percentage of the blame that should be passed out uh, according to our opinions on this game. Do you want to go ahead and kick us off? Sure, sure. So, yeah, the idea is for this loss, and again, this is, this one just seemed like so many things went wrong. There's so many mm-hmm. fingers that you can point. I'm like, why don't we quantify it? Why don't we play the blame game? So I'll go from most blame to least blame for this loss, and I'll start okay. off... Um, I'm going to assign 40% of the blame to the special teams. Okay. I think just, I don't know what was going on with the field goal unit again. I know they got the new long snapper who was on the practice squad all year. Um, I don't know if there's just a disconnect there or the holders not, you know, didn't seem to spin the ball twice. And then Lancaster blocked nobody on the block kick and let, Two people go by him, one on the left, one on the right. And then obviously the Malik Taylor, just complete gaff there. Like just horrible performance. And that's literally the swing of the game. Sure. So I'm going to put 40% on special teams. I'm putting okay. 20% on Jordan Love. Okay. It's tough. You know, we've talked about that one already. I won't go into too much detail. I want to put another 20% on the offensive line. Okay. There was a really good video. Um, out there from, I believe it's called the QB School is the name of the account. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. JTO Sullivan. Yeah, just really well done. Um, was poking fun at Rogers a little bit too with some of the uh, buzzwords from his McAfee appearance through the whole time, which is fun. You know, just kind of a, made you laugh a little bit through it, but really pointed out like what was going wrong on the offensive line and the missed blocking assignments. And, you know, even guys like Elton Jenkins, who have been really good all season, just really having poor performances this year. Yep. So, so far that's a uh, 40, 20, 20. I've got 80%. I'm putting 15% on Matt LaFleur okay. for not really helping his quarterback. He had to have known that they were going to get the rush. And even if he didn't like to be able to see and adjust, adjust the game plan. The fact that Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon had 20 carries compared to Jordan Love's 34 pass attempts. Right. Yeah. When Jones and Dillon, respectively, were averaging 4.4 and 5.8 yards per carry is just criminal. Like, I understand they were loading the front, but they were still getting those yardages. Keep doing it until it they can stop you. Just like the defense or the Chiefs kept rushing until they punished the Chiefs, and they never did. Right. So just keep running the ball. And I'd put my last 5% on Aaron Rodgers because I feel like <laughs> nice. if Rodgers is the quarterback of that game, they win, period. End of sentence. Yep. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. And just being in the position, you know, with the COVID situation, not being on the field, just it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, you hate to see it. It is what it is. But it's just hindsight being what it is. 
if he's on the field, they win that game. So special teams, offensive line, the floor, Rogers, in descending order. All right. What do you got? All right. All right. I kind of, mine's, I would say almost opposite, I guess. And I, I never even would have thought about the Rogers thing. So, so kudos to you on that. Um, all right. Sounding, I'm, I'm getting crazy right off the bat. I'm going 50%, a whopping 50%. I'm assigning that to Matt LaFleur. He's the head coach of this team. He is in charge of every facet of this game. He is in charge of getting all his players, no matter what unit they're on, ready to, ready to play. Whether it's, you know, the first string quarterback, second string quarterback, it's his job to prepare this team. Um, it's his job to, you know, make those necessary adjustments during, you know, during game according to the situation, which he was not doing. You had mentioned the the quarterback school with uh, JT O'Sullivan. Even he mentioned that a lot of these problems with the offensive line were due to to poor play play design, and that goes back to ultimately, you know, Matt Lafleur. So, fifty percent for him. After that, thirty percent I'm assigning to uh, to special teams again for the obvious. They they were, I mean, three plays cost you know nine points. Uh, you know the two field goals and then the, the the muff punt leading to the score for the Chiefs. That's all, you know, that's all special teams. Again, what I don't know. One thing um, is Larry McCarron on the radio had pointed out that you have um, a, a left-handed snapper, a left-handed holder, and a right-handed kicker. And he noticed that the the snaps were actually drifting towards the holder, which could have kind of messed up the whole the whole process. I mean, that's a very regimented process for a kicker. So if everything's not not precise something's going to go wrong. So I don't know if there's any merit to that, but it sounded pretty darn interesting uh, Interesting to me. Anyway, so going back, I pulled my notes back up here. So 30% special teams. Uh, so that's uh, that's 80 already. I'm going 10% O-line because, again, we saw the problems they have. We had players. I saw so many replays where there was one guy, whether it be Patrick or Newman, he's like a turnstile, just kind of standing there with his arms up like, what? What am I supposed to do? Something? Guy's running right by him, and that's just—it's just crazy to me how you, you don't even get a hand on a guy. And then finally, the ten percent—the the remaining ten percent—is going to go to Jordan Love because again, some of these these issues were him not you know not being able to read the blitz, not being able to react. He did have some some what could have been easy throws. His accuracy just wasn't there. He was missing on, missing on a lot. And again, that's just going to come with growth. A lot of that is due to the pressure, but. You know he does have to take some onus on himself, and he, he there are a lot of throws that uh, that he missed that I bet he wanted back. Yeah, I, so yeah, so fifty Lafleur, thirty special teams, ten O line, ten Jordan. It's interesting. It's interesting. We went kind of um, different perspectives here. I had mine similar to yours. I had a lot of mine on the floor to start as well, but sure. then I backed so and then I backed them down because I'm like, you know, at the end of the day. Coaches coach mm-hmm. and the players play. You got to execute. And yeah. so that's why I, I took a big chunk off of his plate and kind of redistributed amongst the other other uh, factions. So again, it's fair. It, not, this wasn't super analysis in here. You know, we, we, <laughs> we uh, you know, I, I threw this at you a little bit. I'm like, hey, let's play the blame game a little bit. Give me 100%, break it down. And it was just fun to kind of, you know, play it and hear, hear what you had to say. Interesting. Definitely. Well, what do you think? You want to take a break? You want to keep going? I'm feeling good if you are. All right, so we uh, what we covered the one elephant in the room earlier in the show, which was uh, Aaron Rodgers and COVID, and we have some other potentially exciting news popping up here. Uh, for the first time in his eight-year career, Odell Beckham Jr. finds himself um, a free agent after being released by the Cleveland Browns this week. 
Not only that, he has cleared waivers, which is, I guess, is not too surprising given his contract. Uh, a one-time polarizing receiver in the NFL, known for his acrobatic one-handed catches and his sideline antics, is looking for a new home at the age of 29. Now, you know, he's got a bum shoulder and some say a bad attitude. Does he have a potential future in Green Bay? I don't know, man. <laughs> OBJ for me is always going to have like this interesting spot. Like if you were to do like a Ken Ingalls Twitter origin story, it would be heavily <laughs> weighted with OBJ oh, yeah. because oh, yeah. like that's kind of where I started being like, guys, like the Packers aren't going to trade for OBJ. And here's like the 20 reasons why. Right. And then that, you know, that's kind of how I started, you know, talking about Packers and salary cap on Twitter. And, you know, here we are. I don't know. Like, I, I was kind of paying attention to this and then I wasn't. And now I am again. Like, it's just a weird situation. I think about it like nobody wanted OBJ. The, the, the Giants took at the time like a record dead cap hit for trading away OBJ because they didn't want him anymore. He was too much of a distraction, even after signing that, you know, mega deal that he had. So then he's on the Browns and he signs a deal there. And now the Browns don't want him. And the Browns are willing to eat money and millions of dollars just to make him go away and get nothing for him. That that seems like a problem to me. Andrew Brand is someone who I always follow and respect. He made a comment saying that fantasy football owners have a lot more respect and a lot more value on OBJ than NFL general managers, which I thought was a very interesting take. But here we are. He cleared waivers. I don't know exactly the gymnastics they had to do with his contract in order to do that. I know that they like figured out a way where the Browns would still get relief and OBJ couldn't go back to him or back to the team to collect some of that guaranteed money. So now he's a free agent. He said that the Packers, or there's reports that the Packers are his number one ideal destination. And so you have to think it's a possibility. The Packers mm-hmm. have about $4 million of cap space. If he signs a veteran minimum deal, like it would take just over half a million dollars to sign him. I don't know if OBJ is the type of guy who's going to be like, yeah, I'll play for the minimum. Right, right. I don't know, especially after like sacrificing, you know, over, I believe it's like three or five million dollars just to leave the Browns that he left on the table. I don't know if he'll be like, yeah, just sign me up for half a million if he can get a bigger deal. I know not a lot of teams are in a position where they could even put in a waiver claim at this point of the year right. to fit that bigger contract. But it sounds like there's a little bit of a bidding war now with the Saints, the Seahawks, the Patriots, and then, of course, the Packers. Packers don't have a lot of space. Neither do the Saints, though, either. So it'll be interesting right. to see. I'm kind of always in team never OBJ, but... There are worse ways, I guess, to spend half a million dollars, but I don't think wide receivers the problem on this team. Like, if there was a name like OBJ, but he played defensive tackle, I'd be all about it. (laughs) Sure, yeah, I hear you. Especially with you know who knows what Kenny Clark's going to be. But you know, we're recording on a Tuesday night, the night he uh, cleared waivers. By the time this is out there, who knows? OBJ might be you know wearing number. 13 for the Green Bay Packers and Alan Lazard might be shifted to a new number. <laughs> Who knows? What are your thoughts on this guy? I mean, I, I was I was kind of like you. I was in the firm no OBJ. You know, every time it brought up, I, I rolled my eyes. No way, not trading for him, not happening. When he was gonna go on waivers, no way. They're not, you know, Packers literally can't afford the seven million dollar salary that it it would cost. 
But now, you know, now that he's been waived, now that he's getting his, I don't know, what, four, four and a half million dollars paid by the Browns, and it's speculated that he could obviously sign somewhere, a contender where he wants to go for a minimum contract. If they can get him on the cheap, then I guess it, if they can get him cheap enough that if he comes in, causes a ruckus, doesn't fit in well, and they can kind of get rid of him without without minimal damage, kind of like a you know like a Jalen Smith situation where he came in, didn't do squat, they were able to cut him and and be done with it without you know with with very little recourse. Then I'm then you know what have you got to lose? I'm, I'm all for it. I mean I don't think he can he can hurt. It does kind of seem like some of the players are interested in bringing him in, bringing mm-hmm. him in. I mean, I know I saw a tweet from Preston Smith alluding to it, and I guess there's a bunch of other players that were alluding to it. So Devontae had some uh, liking some tweets out there, too. It's one of those things where we hear about him and we hear he's a big locker room cancer and a big distraction. But at, at the same time, if you got these other players that are that are asking him to come in, you know, they they would know better than any of us. So I would say I would say give it a shot. Am I going to am I get my hopes up? No, not at all. Um, would I be, I, I guess I'd kind of be excited if it, if it does happen, you know, again, why not? It could be the, uh, the, the whole Andre Risen situation back in, uh, from back in 96, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. I guess the latest that came out about an hour ago is his, he's gotten some offers and he's going to sleep on it and probably make a decision tomorrow. So, right, right. I, I don't see we'll him being on the street very long. So, no. Um, I imagine by the next day or two, we'll have some news here. And like you said, if he's on the Packers, it's something I never would have advocated for. Nothing I would have thought was going to be possible ever. But hell, if that's what they go with, this is the all-in season. This is the last dance. If he's wearing the green and gold, I'll cheer for him and I'll be rooting for him and we'll see what happens. Definitely. And not not to put you on the spot or anything, but I was kind of thinking about it, you know, back to what I said is, you know, if you can get him for a minimum deal, where if he comes in and becomes a distraction, you can kind of cut him and, mm-hmm. you know, you're no worse for wear. What do you think would be like a maximum number that that would apply versus, all right, well, we just paid him, you know, $3 million. Yeah. Now we're stuck with him regardless. You know what I mean? Right. What do you think would be a good safe, a good safe number, if you will, for the Packers? Oh, man. I, see, that's the thing. I, I don't know how to value this guy. I, sure. I have no idea. He it's I have no idea. He could come in for the league minimum. He could come in for half, you know, for five million dollars, you know, sure. for the second half of the season. I have no idea where it's going to end. You know, maybe the Saints would come out and give him a four-year deal. You know, maybe OBJ doesn't want to sign a a rental agreement. Maybe he wants, you know, a long-term deal right now. So it's going to be crazy. If it's a long-term deal, I see the Packers being out. I, oh I yeah, for sure. I, I don't see them. I see them in a rental half-a-year situation. If it's something where. You know, OBJ is looking for three, four years. I, I cannot see the Packers in on that deal. But crazier things have happened this season. Things that I've never thought that we would see Green Bay Packers and their diligent cap management skills yeah. ever do. And they've they've tested that to the limits and beyond this year. So, damn, I, that's an impossible question. Um, sure. Like I said, they've got $4 million left for the rest of the year. Yeah. We're only halfway through the season. Yep. We've seen the amount of injuries. You still have to pay players who are injured. That counts on the cap. Then you got to pay the replacements. That counts on the cap. Getting over a million, two million dollars makes things mm-hmm. really, really tight. Sure. Especially with 50% more football to play. Yep, exactly. So, like I said, I think a league minimum, the Packers are definitely players. 
every dollar above that, it gets less and less likely. I hear you. And I think wherever he goes, I have a feeling it's just going to be a, a short-term rental. It's kind of auditioning for his next team. So we'll see. We'll see. And I, you know, hopefully I'll be able to get this, this bad boy out tomorrow before he makes a decision. So it's not completely irrelevant. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So yeah, before we, uh, before we wrap up here, um, I guess we should, you should start talking about the next weekend's opponent, the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle coming into town. I believe um, they have a what three and five record. Not looking so hot this this year, but uh, Russell Wilson, aka Lionheart, has been missing the last three games. <laughs> three games with a with an injured middle finger, and he is has uh, dramatically announced his return this Sunday. Has yet to win at Lambeau. I'm not. Uh, I'm not too worried about this one, to be honest. What are right. your thoughts? It'll be interesting. Like. I go back to the preparation, kind of what we talked about on the front end. Like Aaron Rodgers has a chance to play in this game, but mm-hmm. he he doesn't practice at all this week. Right. So it's really weird. Like from a operational standpoint, the Packers are going to have Jordan Love as QB one all week, running the offense and like running a game plan. Yeah. But like, do you game plan for Jordan Love and then you just sub in Rodgers and just go with the flow? Or do you put in a Rodgers game plan with Jordan Love running those plays in practice? I don't know. And, like, it, it completely swings. It seems like um, Vegas is on on the side of Rodgers will be back because the Packers are favored to win right now. But to me, that's the most fascinating piece of this is, like, what the hell is going to happen at quarterback? Right. And how do you even practice for that? How do you prepare for that? But when I look at the team and the stats, like, from an offensive perspective – like I see if you look at like the Seahawks versus the Packers, like in, um, side by side points per game points allowed per game, total yards, passing and rushing are damn near identical. It's crazy. Really? But where the Packers have the upper hand is on yards allowed. And they by far are better than the Seahawks in both passing and rushing defense. So I think you know, what we saw last week against the chiefs, um, if this defense seems like they're for real, I was concerned with the, uh, the six game stretch leading into the bye, because the first six games, you know, they kind of played a lot of cupcake teams. Um, they've been playing some big boy offenses, uh, that second s- stretch, and they're they're stepping up and they're, you know, perhaps showing their true colors. And I'm excited to see this defense perform at home, see what they can do against a quarterback like Russell Wilson. No, I, I agree completely. And I'm getting to, I'm getting to the point. I never thought I would say this. You know, I, obviously you know my feelings about uh Joe Barry, which I see, you know, I'm I'm eating crow on that right now. But I'm at the point where where the defense, you know, playing a team, you know, not of the of the Chiefs stature, not of the you know the, the Cardinal stature. I think they 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 can carry this team for a couple of victories. To you know, to be quite honest, and I think I said Seattle will be a good test. Uh, you know, you got uh, DK Metcalf there; he's always a, a, a tricky one. Um, Tyler Lockett, but. Like I said, Russell Wilson's been out the last three, you know, three weeks nursing a, a middle finger injury on his his throwing hand. So, like I said, I, I'm sure. I don't know if he's going to be fully 100. percent Obviously, you know, they'll all say he is, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I think um, they're calling for some snow up there on Sunday, uh, which could be, you know, which should be uh, pretty cool. We'll see how that impacts his grip at all. And but like I said, I think the defense can carry this uh, this team, regardless as to who is at quarterback. Obviously, if Rodgers is in there playing, it's a, a better shot, if you will. But uh, like you said, I'm just looking forward to seeing this defense, and uh, 
getting that victory on Sunday. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hopefully we're talking eight and two on tap next week. Oh yeah. And you know, I, I think, you know, I thought of this as you were talking, like if it's Rogers versus Wilson, you've got two of probably the most like polarizing quarterbacks facing oh, off yeah. against each other with some of their latest media antics and, and whatnot. <laughs> so just kind of, oh, it'll, it'll be a circus leading up to this one. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, I think that's about it for us. Do you have anything, uh, any final, final thoughts? Uh, no, man. I'm crazy week, crazy game, Jordan Love, but I'm excited for it. I, this is one I had kind of had circled on my, on my calendar at the beginning of the season. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping both teams are going to be closer to full, you know, full strength and we can kind of see, see what we got. Oh, and maybe David Bakhtiari's back too. We oh, didn't even right. talk about that. Oh, that's right. Oh man. He kind of has to be right. <laughs> they have to activate him or right. they need to oh, take right, him off right. pup, but who knows if he'll actually play. We'll play. see. Right, we'll right. see. But yeah, missed that, that one, that that's the wild card. Who knows that that could be interesting too. And then how does the line work? But when I, as soon as I said full strength, I'm like, oh yeah, that guy, the that all guy. pro left tackle who hasn't played all year. How I did we forget him. about that? Good grief. Good grief. All right. Well, ladies and gents, thanks for tuning in tonight. I said hopefully we'll be back to, uh, you know, the Unknown Packers podcast crew will be up to full strength the next couple of weeks here. Get all three of us back on talking Packers football with you. But uh, until then, I am your co-host, Nebels. And I'm Ken Ingles. And this is the Unknown Packers podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.